Let's get started. Bottom of the Smash Mountain, Season 1, Episode 26, Poetry and Melee. Let's get to the podcast. Last day of February. No, there is no February 29th this year, in case any of you were curious. There is no February 29th. We're clear on that? Good, because I was a little bit confused about it myself. (laughs) Don't ask me why. We have such a great interview today. We got Brentos, who you will find on Twitter as Brentos Fresh, and I'll have the Twitter link in the description of this podcast episode, as well as a few other topical things that we were discussing, including Last Stock Legends. Ever heard of it? Oh yeah, Brent was involved with that, and that's what you're going to get to hear about, all that and more, and poetry, and I just can't stop talking because i'm so excited for you to hear it so let's just let it roll baby roll why is it so quiet oh right transition here we are bottom of the smash mountain and today i am very happy to be joined by brentos who also goes by brent thank you so much for coming on to the show yeah thanks for having me it's exciting i've been listening throughout the week so i like the episode so far That's awesome. I'm really glad to hear that somebody besides me and the few other listeners that I'm vaguely aware of thus far, you know, that there's (laughs) people listening in. It's really cool. I'm excited to I'm excited to see where it goes. But for now, we're here. We are. It's the end of February, just to provide a little context. But I'm excited for the things that are coming in March for Melee. But for now, let's talk about you. And I want to hear your backstory of how Melee came to be in your life and what it's been throughout the years for you. Okay, yeah. Um, Melee, I I got first introduced to the competitive Melee scene in 2004. Um, Like most of the older players, I'm 31. I'll I'll be 32 in like five days. My birthday is in early March. But like most of the older players... I got Melee when it came out. I had a GameCube, and Melee was the launch title. So I had been playing it like almost religiously since it came out. And a buddy of mine that lived down the street from me um, would always kick my ass. And I played Sheik at the time, and he played Fox. And we weren't really aware of the competitive scene or the tier list or anything like that. We just liked those characters. But I just like couldn't beat him. <clears throat> so I Googled it, like how to beat Fox as Sheik. And a Smashboards thread came up, and it was a link to a video download on the DC++ hub, where they used to post videos, and it was a video of Canon Isaiah versus Ozen and Wes. And that's when I started seeing, like, oh, like, wave dashing and, and stuff like that, and I was like, how the hell are they doing that? And then I just went down the Smashboards rabbit hole. And there was a guy in Houston, which is where I'm from, that would host tournaments in his apartment. His tag was Fluffy. So that was the first uh, couple tournaments that I went to were at that guy's apartment. And then the first big tournament that I went to was Most 3 in Dallas of, uh, I think it was January or February 2005. But that's uh, they talk about that in the Smash documentary. That's the famous tournament where Isaiah beat Ken. 
and had the state of the art projector and seats for the finals so you were you were at the most three yeah do you want to do you want to talk about it from your own perspective or have you talked about the most three too much in your life um it was (laughs) it was a good it was a fun tournament i think if i if i remember correctly that was um boomsticks first tournament who's a kind of texas royalty in melee and i think it was also wobbles first tournament when he played oh, wow. Mario. yeah and wobbles is of course most people would know wobbles from the 2013 evo finals yes yeah wobbles um in my opinion greatest ICs of all time i know that's that's uh, a heated debate but well, well, probably, probably at the very least, better than Frozen Pizza, who's the alternate tag of apps. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, and they're good buddies, Wobbles and Axe, because Wobbles, uh, he went to Arizona State, I think. He went to college in Arizona, but he he he's from Texas, so that's where he got started. Um, other than that, I don't really remember a whole lot about most three. I know that my first tournament set ever, I had to play against Caveman, and he eight stocked me with Dr. Mario and then Samus. He he just I didn't take a single stock. And Came. that's right, that's you you don't start off on fire, right? I mean you're at first yeah. you're just trying to beat the neighbor that's next door and then you start to go to these these tournaments. So what kept you coming back even if you weren't necessarily the most skilled player in the room? Um I just had fun playing the game. I just really love melee. It's my favorite game. I love playing it. I'm still bad at melee. I never really got good. But it's just fun for me to play. Even if I'm losing, I think it's fun. I like I like this the spectator aspect of melee. Even if I'm playing, if someone's styling on me, I think it's super cool just to like watch it happen. I just love the way melee flows. It's such a beautiful game. It's just fun for me to watch. But I actually stopped going to tournaments. The last tournament that I went to back in like the old school days, I didn't even enter. I just went to go watch. It was Evo South 2007, I think. It was in Austin. And I didn't even enter that tournament. I just went to go watch it. And then I started going to college in 2007. And I really didn't go to many melee tournaments after that. I would watch like VODs and I would watch YouTube channels. And I like kind of kept up with the scene in Smashboards, but other than that, I really was like a lurker on Smashboards. If you find my Smashboards account, I didn't even make a Smashboards account until like around the time Genesis was announced, I think, in like late '08 or early 2009. And I think the entire time I had a Smashboards account, I've commented like less than 20 times. I was like a straight-up lurker, and I kept kind of doing that up until uh, Melee got announced to be at Evo at tw- in 2013. And then I started kind of going back to tournaments and getting back into it. And there was such a big, and I wasn't around at that time in terms of being active in the community at all. I mean, I heard about this afterwards where there was this big effort, community drives, spirit bonds, all those kind of words of getting Melee into Evo with the, at first it was winning a poll and then the Evo staff said, how about we have a charity drive and Melee won that as well. And there was yeah. the C and D and all that stuff. So yep. from your perspective, at this point by now, you're out of college, I'm assuming, or was it like yeah. long form, many, many years college? No, I actually graduated early. I graduated in twenty ten. Oh, let's so I, go. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, Good yeah. for you. Yeah. I did it three years, yeah. 
I love to hear that. That's so cool. I mean, why be there any longer than you have to be? I didn't even go to college. I, I hate the concepts of school in general. So good for you. <laughs> hey, I don't blame you. I think I'm of that like perfect age where it was like beaten to our heads that we had to go to college. But I'm like just on the cusp of that generation where we started figuring out that college is just a massive scam. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, on the, I mean, I'm, I'm like on the tail end of that. In, uh, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, I think people still believe that college is the latest and greatest thing to ever, ever happened. The times move a little bit slower here. So I was still on that, that pressure feeling from peers and my parents. They're all like, go to college. And yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I believed in myself enough to say I, I would just get into massive debt and accomplish nothing because I hate, I hate doing school so much. <laughs> so but good yeah. for you for, for sticking it through because I'm sure it's helped to open doors for you or we can maybe get into that in a moment here. But I didn't want to forget the sure. your, your perspective that you had for Evo 2013. You're vaguely aware of the game, like you said. You're, you watch YouTube videos here and there. You know, you're probably along the lines of the people who shared onto Facebook the Wombo Combo where you're like, oh, that's yeah. the life. Good for those yeah, guys. And, yeah. and then with with the drive and everything, did you just feel that magnetic pull back into the scene? Like what did that, what was that feeling yeah, for you? That's absolutely what it was. I think. Um, Cause I, I really hadn't been to any melee tournaments in a while. I'd gone to a couple of brawl tournaments here and there and a couple PM and then uh, some smash 64. Cause I got really into smash 64 when I was in college. So I almost exclusively played that instead of melee. But when Evo 2013 happened, like the charity drive building up to it, the the MIOM charity drive that Prague and Scar and a bunch of those guys all kind of spearheaded. Um, I mean, just seeing how like loving and I want to say inclusive the community had appeared to become over the years. I mean, yeah, it was like a magnetic pull. It just kind of pulled me back in. I was like, I want to be a part of this again because I love this game and this community that's grown like so much since the last time I was playing it has is showing like such they, they raised almost a hundred thousand dollars you know it was like 97k I think or something around there I don't remember the exact number it was almost 100k though that they raised for Evo that went to um breast cancer research and just seeing that I was kind of like you know I just I wanted to get back into it and I streamed I watched the stream of Evo 2013 and I mean that that top eight is still, I think, one of the most hyped top eights in melee history. And just seeing Mango like dominate in grand finals, I was like, I I have to start playing this game again. I want to get back involved. I love hearing the the idea that it just one way or another melee just seems to have that that magnetism to it. Where if you fall in love with the game once, there's a big danger or or possibility at the very least of falling in love with the game again as it continues to evolve and grow and the storylines progress. Yeah, absolutely. So that, that's that's cool to hear and and the top 8 for Evo 2013 like it's any hype top 8 almost also needs that 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 controversy, right? The how right. the best of three continued all the way up until grands i think like yeah. everybody thought it was supposed to be losers winners and grand finals be best of five and there was that whole that whole thing as well yeah but, thing with wobbles and hungry box yeah yeah but uh, you know you don't have to get into that but um, <laughs> it was really cool to see just like looking back for myself just to see how that tournament 
was so influential that we we got into melee sorry melee got into evo excuse me and that really helped to launch everything from being a really heavily grassroots community and and a lot smaller which makes the nearly $100,000 drive for charity even more impressive because nowadays where you look back at five days of melee and between five days of melee and the LACS three tournament that Ludwig ran right after that was over $250,000. And that is yeah. awesome. Yeah. It's amazing. But, but like back then I couldn't have imagined that that happening or I'm sure to a lot of people, they were all going, where is this money coming from? <laughs> Cause right. you look around and most everybody knows each other at that time. Cause the community yeah, exactly. I mean, at that time I had a pretty good job as um i was a content editor for a web design firm so i mean i had money to give i feel like there was probably a lot of people like me that were just watching melee and weren't technically in the community because i mean at that time i really didn't consider myself in the community i hadn't been a part of it in forever i'd just been watching you know like a fan right just more of the long lines of a spectator and 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 there's a difference between being a spectator of a big tournament every once in a while and then being in the community, being on Smashboards and participating in discussions and theory, all that other stuff. You know, this exactly. character needs to be banned or broken, whatever. Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> so you went to, did you, so did you go to college for, for, for whatever the fancy degree name is for editing? Was that something that you fell in love with as you went through high school? Um, I actually went to college. My degree is in poetry, which That's... editing is a big part of that. So, I mean, I had, I had a, like a taken like requisite courses in like technical writing and editing and stuff like that. So I knew how to do that, but my degree plan was in poetry. And what's the, is the ceiling of that basically being Robert Frost more or less? Like literal, <laughs> yeah. literal poetry. Like I know there's all kinds of different forms, and I'm not going to try to name any of them. But it's not oh, yeah. just the it's not just the stanzas and iambic pentameter or whatever. Poetry can take a lot of different forms. What would you say was one that was particularly exciting for you to either write or just something that you love to to write specifically? Um, my poems are more in uh, the what I generally write is usually in what's known as sort of like freeform poetry or concrete poetry. It's not really, um, I mean, it's really loose, the rules with writing in that, but like traditional poetry forms, it, it's really hard to explain the sestina, but I really like writing sestinas, but it's, it's, a, it's like a really complicated way of writing poetry it's got to be a specific each it's got to be a specific number of stanzas each stanza has to be you know a specific number of lines specific um rhythm in in the diction and you have to repeat specific lines in specific places i think one piece of poetry that has been relevant in pop culture for and it's already been a month so i think it kind of died off but amanda gorman reading her poem at the inauguration uh, i guess it was a month ago by now well a little yeah. over a month ago that that caught my attention i thought that was not only was it well written but her i guess you could say performance of it like as she read it uh, yeah. felt really felt really inspiring i feel like that's sort of like the what what poetry can do because it's not it's not a 
a song per se, there's there's similarities between the two. I'll let you speak to that as somebody who actually went to school for it. But I, I think that for myself anyway, I like poetry. I actually was published in a in a student magazine. It's not a big deal. Published in nice, a student nice. magazine <laughs> uh, for for a for a, uh, a not a not a structural poem, but it's like a literal. It is hard to describe in podcast form, but I was published at, for one thing myself. So I, I think I appreciate awesome. poetry more than the average person, but it's not usually in my mind. Uh, how, how has it stayed in, in your mind? How have you made it relevant to you uh, ever since college, I guess? Um, mainly through reading and writing it still. I, I still publish frequently, um, sort of as supplemental income and as a hobby. But I read. I read a lot. And a lot of what I read is is poetry. Um, I mean, that's how I I I keep up with it. Is I I really just read a lot of it, and I like reading new new poets, like contemporary poets. I thought Amanda Gorman's poem at the inauguration was great. I'm not really, I don't really know a lot about spoken word and like slam poetry, so I can't really speak to you know how technically great it was. But I thought it was good. <laughs> I mean, that's not really what my forte is. I'm more in the in written poem. But yeah, okay, what you so bring up with like you, a song, like lyrics, you know, lyric is just a poem put to music. Did you ever try writing any music to go with any of your poetry, or is that that's just not you? Oh no, absolutely. I've I've been in bands throughout my life. I've I've played music. You know, I've played, Ooh, I've played. let's go. I like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. I, I've been playing music. I I started piano when i was six and then i moved to playing guitar when i was 10 and i still play guitar and bass and drums i play a bunch of stuff i've played pretty much any instrument in a bunch of different bands and yeah i've 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 been frontman in a band before and like been in charge of writing lyrics and songs and stuff and it's fun it's fun to do that i mean it's a different exercise than the type of poetry i usually write I mean, I don't really ever write things that rhyme, and it's kind of necessary to have some rhyming in lyrics. So that's fun. This makes but, the song easier yeah. to hear, right? Is it that sort right. of concept? Yeah, it's it's the rhythm of of the way that the the poem works with the music. You know, if you make it, you got you got to harmonize the everything, including the lyrics to the music and the words you use. You know, pick words that sound pretty. Right, absolutely. Uh, except maybe uh, it has to ride like a, a fine line, sort of. You can't always drop onomatopoeia or something like that in in lyrics, but right, maybe for a special bridge or something. Yep. So what what would you say? So you've talked a little bit about the sort of poetry that you enjoy, and you, and you mentioned poets that you like to read. Do any come to mind in terms of who you who you specifically have read recently? Yeah. Um... Two poets that I read uh, all the time. I'm Raymond Carver and um, Ted Hughes. Ted Hughes was Sylvia Plath's husband. Uh, he was kind of an awful piece of shit, but he uh, his poetry is beautiful. He wrote a lot about her, too. His poetry about her is especially beautiful. It's really sad. He was really affected by her suicide. And then uh, Raymond Carver. Raymond Carver is probably my favorite American poet. Um... I really just his he he's really good at capturing like the emotion and atmosphere of like single like instances in time like he's got a beautiful poem just about 
riding shotgun to go into the gas station with his buddy and it like re- it really puts you in that emotion you really feel like what the what the narrator is feeling in that instance I re- his poetry is really beautiful and I, and then Emily Dickinson as well can't go wrong with the classics absolutely being in the moment is really hard to do is that something that you find easy yourself or is that something that you would say you have to work on um it was difficult at first just kind of learning how to channel that atmosphere and put it and then you know translate it in a way that communicates to the reader so that they're able to feel it now that's kind of the only type of poetry that i really write so i feel like i've gotten much better at it but you know as with any craft you can always you can always improve yeah i like uh the one person who i i guess appreciate not just as a a performer but also i i feel like they actually do have the chops when it comes to writing music and and lyrics is ed sheeran i don't know how much you know of any of his like music Um, i actually don't i'm not familiar at all I, i know who ed sheeran is but i've never really listened to him at all he once described songwriting as sort of the the concept of running water at first in an older building the water that comes out may not be even close to clean it might just be straight up mud at first but as you let the water run it gets better and clearer and and he just compared it to that where he said at first the songs that he wrote the lyrics that he wrote were awful and terrible and of course with practice with with maturity and aging it just started to get better and better and yeah i don't want to spend too much yeah, time that's on that but i yeah i like that concept where maybe what you write earlier in life is good or you're happy with it, but there is a certain amount of improvement that comes over time naturally as you continue to make more art or make more poetry, whatever it is. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that's a, I like that metaphor. It's an interesting metaphor. I've never heard it described like that, but I, yeah, that's, I think that's true. I think that's true of any craft, you know, you're not always going to be the best when you start out. You got to, Take, everything takes practice. Melee takes practice. Yeah, tying it back into <laughs> melee. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, well, that's why melee is so beautiful, right? <laughs> it could, exactly. has a lot of parallels. Yeah, for sure. Melee. And I is, wanted to. Sorry. Melee go ahead. is very. Uh, I think melee is a very poetic game. Though just the mechanics of the way the characters move and just the way you interact with other players through the game, it's it's uh, it's very. I think it's very poetic, but. Then again, you know, I have a degree in poetry, so I, I kind of view my life through that lens anyways. Right. And I think that before this age of the pandemic and playing online, there was that, and I, I haven't experienced this enough, really at all to, a, to, a, to somebody like you anyway, comparatively speaking. I've never actually gone to an in-person tournament before. And oh, wow. I, what I what I imagine, yeah, I know that's that's my story. But what I imagine <laughs> is what I imagine is when you're when you're playing with somebody, and this is something that I felt even like on a casual level. That's what I'm trying to say. I understand this on a casual level, where you're playing with somebody who's right next to you on the same screen, and there's almost it's almost like communicating in a different language, and there is a certain yeah. amount of socializing that happens just by playing a game like there's more than just 
two idiots staring at a screen, right? Right, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know it's been said a million times, but people's personality really do really does come out during their play. You know, and you can really get to know someone through the options that they choose and the way that they play. And I think that's one really beautiful thing about Melee is that it's such a free game in that way to where you can really express yourself in pretty much every facet of the game. And just, I don't know, I miss I miss in-person tournaments because it's, it's a fun time to be around friends. I mean, even if you go to your first tournament, by the end of the night, you'll have made friends. And when you come back the next week, it's it's building friendships on top of you know a a common love for some stupid 20-year-old video game. And so when we eventually get back to that's something that I'm look, looking forward to when we get back to in-person events, you know, safely that I'll be able to actually experience that myself go Owen to but make new friends and meet people that I've interacted with online maybe at majors that sort of thing and just going like oh it's so cool to see like you know what i mean like that'll be yeah absolutely super it's, cool, so. it's super fun yeah i'm excited for you to go to your first tournament it's i'm jealous <laughs> uh, i'm curious to, to see what'll what that'll be like but anyway we'll get there when we get there going back to i want to continue to hear your experiences of of melee uh uh, post Evo 2013, right? Where now you're getting back into the scene a little bit more. You have that. You have that job on the side. But are you trying to go to a tournament as you're able to on weekends, or was it sort of dipping your toes in slowly? Um. Yeah. It was. So after Evo 2013, it was sort of dipping my toes in slowly. I would go to um, a tournament here and there. And I went to a tournament at a bar in Houston called Neil's Bar. And it's like a nerd theme bar. They play Simpsons on repeat. Um, they have a bunch of arcade systems. They have old, they have a whole shitload of CRTs and like N64s and GameCubes and stuff. And they threw a melee tournament. And I went there and um, Jake13 and Best Friend John were two of the top players in Texas at the time. And they were the ones who got me to start going back to weeklies uh, regularly. And there was a weekly in Houston that ran every Friday. It was about a 40-minute drive from where I lived, but I started I started just going to that every every week and got soaked back in. Was that, did you say Friday nights? Yeah, it was Friday nights. Um, That's at awesome. At a place called Game Guys. <clears throat> Yeah, and, and then, I, got, I got sucked back in um, and became really good friends with Jake13, best friend John. Um, Uncle Mojo was another one of the players back then that really started playing with me a lot and inviting me over to his place and, you know, uh, practicing more and stuff like that. So there's a, a lot of good dudes in the Houston scene that really kind of embraced me coming back to the scene. That's awesome. So they, they sort of had a... Well, you were more of a lurker in the Smashboards, but you still people still knew who you were just based off of being there before in the past. Right. Yeah. That's awesome that they were like, uh, you weren't here during the struggle or whatever, but they were just happy to see you again. That's really cool to hear. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I I wasn't really going to tournaments at the time because I was in college, but I I do remember the dark days of melee because 
I was I was still watching tournaments and still watching the VODs. Right, which is, uh, I mean, any amount of support that is given is, like, even just views. It just means that people care enough to even do that, right? Right. Yeah, I remember <laughs> there was some, um, oh, man, it was some video. I think we talked about it in one of our Last Dog Legends episodes that I remember watching. It was I think it was Tang versus Lunin, and that was, like, the first video to hit 1,000 views on YouTube on uh, homemade waffles channel and i remember that being such a big deal and even to me someone who wasn't really going to tournaments was still watching i was like man like a thousand people watched this game like melee's getting huge <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well it can't possibly house all these people for the next tournament all these thousands of people that are just gonna actually show up at the next big event <laughs> yeah exactly like that's i mean that's kind of how i was thinking because when I got out of Melee, like, it was, MLG era had just ended, and that was a dope time in Melee, because it was, like, on a circuit. But MLG had just ended, so it was like, oh, that's a bummer, and, you know, Evo 2007, but it was it didn't come back the next year. So it was kind of like, oh, I guess Melee's dying, and then, you know, seeing that video with a thousand views, it was like, oh, people still care about this game. Little did I know how big it would get. <laughs> At the right. time, a thousand views was huge. I mean, a thousand views, that was huge. Yeah, and I remember being on 2006 YouTube and just seeing a video that had a thousand views back then was like, we can't possibly have anybody else like come in and watch this video because a thousand is way too many views for just this kind of yeah, video exactly. or what have you. You just think to yourself, there's no way. And then, yeah, right, as Absolutely. as it grows, it, it does do that. But when... The documentary came out in the fall of 2013. By now, you're you're doing the locals over at Neil's Bar, and you're. Are you thinking about content creation, not the literal words content creation? But are you thinking, okay, so I, I love playing the game. The community is awesome, but I'm not necessarily thinking I want to be the best player. Or were you thinking that you wanted to be the best player? Oh, absolutely not. I uh, I was going to have fun. I wanted to get better. But I, I really, I never really had the drive to be the best at melee. I just had fun playing it, which I think, you know, to compete that's very detrimental because you have to have that drive. I never really had the drive to, you know, go all out in melee. I, it, it really just never happened for me. So I didn't really care about being the best. I just, I just liked playing the game, and I liked the people in the community. I liked hanging out with them. I, I just had a good time watching. You know, I'd go 0-2 and, and then watch people better than me that were my buddies at that point, you know, just doing cool shit on, in Melee in the game that I loved. And But when it comes to content, um, no, I, re I really hadn't thought anything about content creation um, until I talked to Tafo. He had said that he needed an, another editor for Melee it on me, and I reached out to him and was like, hey, you know, like, I'm... I do that for a living for a web design company. I'm I'm down to do that. And that led me to, I started editing people's articles that they would submit. And then I would just start writing articles uh, sometimes on stuff that I wanted to talk about. Usually Taffa would say, Hey, uh, we need an article on this. Can you write it? And, you know, write something up real quick. But that's really how I got started in melee content creation was 
Tafo just, you know, he, I think it was in the Melee Social Facebook group at that time, which I don't even think exists anymore. <clears throat> but Right, because he, Discord wasn't a thing until more recently. It was uh, Facebook yeah, exactly. and Smashboards was kind of dying off by then as well, right? Yeah, around 2013, 2014, Smashboards, people would still post, like, tournament updates and there would still be theory crafting, but that's really around the time when the Facebook group started blowing up. And Melee Social, if you don't know about that group, it was like a group for like everyone in the Melee scene. That So it wasn't just like a specific region. Like nowadays, you know, it's just you type in Houston Melee and it shows up Austin Melee, you know, Philadelphia Melee. There's groups for every city. Melee, Melee Social was, <laughs> was a group run by the Melee at Omni team for like everyone. And it just went down in flames because it was so toxic. It got too big. I mean... With, as with any game and any community, when it gets too big, you know, the trolls are going to start showing up. Yep, they're just there because they know a lot of eyes are on the screen and they just want to try to either bring it down or they're trying to make a name for themselves in the wrong way. Yep. Yep, yep. it happens like clockwork in every scene. And so it happened to Melee Social. Rest in peace. R.I.P. R.I.P. <laughs> <laughs> but... That wasn't the end of all the melee community stuff, and so with the melee on, meleeed on me, was that the introductions to last stock legends, or how did that come to be from your standpoint? Yeah, that's absolutely what it was. I was doing editorial work for Meleeed on me, and I'm sure you're aware of the book of melee by Edwin Budding. Yep. Yeah. He. Uh, so I originally wanted to do an oral history of melee. And he even, he DM'd me and said, hey, like, your idea had inspired me to write this. And I was like, oh, that's awesome, because the Book of Melee Whoa, was Whoa, that's super so cool. Dope. That is cool. Of, yeah, the Book of Melee was super dope. But I had an idea to do, like, an oral history of Melee. So Prague had invited me to this secret Facebook group for, like, people that wanted to, that were brainstorming something, like, big to do content-wise. And it was really kind of Prague and Papa Paints idea that eventually it just kind of spiraled into leading to last dog legends and i kind of abandoned writing a book and was like uh oh, you know i'll join that team with them when Prague asked me if i wanted to be a part of it and for last dog legends i mean that was an awesome experience it was super dope to do those interviews and, and work on all that stuff i really didn't have a huge hand in it i was i did more like pa stuff for them but Papa Paint and Prague are the real the real guys in that one. And um Gangly, who he was a newer player in the scene. He was the camera guy. He did awesome work and Tish and Zoo and Cartega, all the guys on the Last Dog Legends team. They were they were awesome. They did amazing work. It was super super rewarding and fun to be a part of that team. And even now the quality of those videos, of those episodes are top-notch they're really well done so even just having a small part of it i'm sure felt really rewarding to you to be a part oh, absolutely. of it yeah absolutely it's i love <laughs> i love re-watching some of those episodes and seeing my name listed as executive producer <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I i checked one out today just to see where you were in the credits and i was like okay brent executive producer let's go yeah me and tafo executive producers <laughs> Not a big deal. Yeah, but why yeah, isn't your name on the? <laughs> why isn't your name on the Sm the, the Smash World Tour? Uh... 
issues with how they do things. They need a cynic on that committee. <laughs> Every melee player than anyone in the world. It's insane. Talking to Taffo about, like, he'll just pull it. Like, he. knows it it's weird about myself um melee is broken that book that uh spoopy and saint nicholas wrote that excellent stuff oh absolutely it. me as well i that was a treat for me that i that i got for myself too it's a great book recommend that and i'll be getting the book of melee soon just because i keep getting put onto it by just by proxy you know people either still posting about it or i read the monday morning marth articles that edwin puts oh, yeah. out which are fantastic they help me they stay are. in the know for things that are all over the world and even locally in the U in the united states i go how did i not know about this but yeah, edwin knows, so let's go yeah yeah he's awesome i love his stuff and book of melee is great i i mean i had you know that sort of a similar idea but he did a much better job than i ever would have i think so aside from content creation, and I'm I'm assuming that you're still working the normal nine to five type job that's giving you the yeah. majority of your of your income. But through these years of melee exploding in popularity and the Evo tournaments that everybody and, and the Apex tournaments, like the majors, were yeah, driving yeah, those yeah. big storylines. Where were you? Then. Where were you when you started thinking about? being a TO or helping to run tournaments? Because you said that you've done a little bit of that in the past also. Yeah, that started at those weeklies at Game Guys that I was going to on Friday nights. Um, the guy who TO'd those, uh, his tag was Gimme, and he's he's a big-time TO in, in Houston for Melee. He's like probably the best TO that we had in the scene <clears throat> throughout the years. And I would just I started just kind of helping him, you know, run bracket and you know yelling quit your friendlies at people and stuff like that and eventually we created a sort of conglomerate because the monthly in houston was at a, a dojo this guy in the scene his tag sourdough he had a he had a dojo he was a black belt i don't remember what type of martial arts he was a black belt in but he had his own dojo and he would run monthlies at the dojo so I, I would help him with that there as well. And that all culminated into a bunch of us that were like all kind of like TOs helping each other on Houston. Uh, we put together eventually what became our biggest tournament was Clutch City Clash in uh, the summer of 2016. And that was a really, that was the 
biggest tournament we've ever had in Houston. And it was the most stacked talent-wise. My job in that one was really to kind of get the word out and just use my leverage as, or use my, you know, kind of influence as leverage to be like, hey, you should come to this tournament. You know, I, I, I got Ice to come, which was awesome. Uh, Mango and S2J and Lucky and Dunk and that whole Goon Squad came out. Uh, a bunch of players. It was it was a super stuck tournament. S Fat came out. That was that was that like little era in 2015 when S Fat was like top three in the world and was just beating the shit out of everyone except Mewtwo King. Mewtwo King beat him at Clutch City Clash and Grand Finals. This wasn't the but this wasn't the tournament where S Fat took him back to Final Destination. That was a different tournament, right? That was a different tournament. That was a that was a couple weeks after Clutch City, I think, at Shine. I think it was Shine that year that they played in Grand Finals again, because it was like it was literally that like two to three month period where S Fat was just like on fire. But yeah, he he kept losing to Mewtwo King. But Clutch City Clash that was the the tournament that kind of kicked off his like his constant just shitting on people. <laughs> it was fun <laughs> to watch because <laughs> I mean he he utterly destroyed mango and ice at that tournament and that's the sort of the idea of asphat's not one of the gods but can put away mango and put away other really really solid good players leading up to the one matchup that just couldn't quite seem to get past but that's yeah absolutely. one of the the allures of of melee is just those storylines continuing on through because SFAT's been a player for a very very long time, and, but for forever, it's still yeah. yeah still a major threat to anyone that he comes up to in bracket. Love that the um, most recent yeah. Mewtwo King tournament, the Frame Perfect Series Four, won that tournament, and that was really really yep. sick. So I'm excited. That to was so super. Yeah. Yeah, excited to, to see Asfat continue to to perform here in these uh, upcoming online stuff. But what, who Sam. would you say is one of your favorite players to watch, or maybe a favorite character to watch? Mm, I can answer both of those. Uh, favorite character to watch, probably Falco. Honestly, I love watching Falco. I think Falco's just super cool, and I like watching Sheik too. Um, favorite player to watch. I mean, Mango and Zayn, of course, I like watching both of them just because of how awesome... I mean, they're just so good at the game. It You can't not enjoy watching it. Um, I'm I'm a huge fan of Nun. Like, pretty much everyone who loves Melee loves Nun because his Falcon's so sick. Seems to almost be Melee. Like, Nun is just somehow has that skill. Like, any clip I see of Nun or any of the any of the personalities that he now deploys. Yeah. He's, yeah. Got, he's got <laughs> Bond. Bond and everybody else. Yeah, it's so funny to me. Yeah, um, same. Oh, and also great. with Falcons, uh, Overshot Nair, that dude is the most insane Captain Falcon. Oh, and I don't then... Know, um, I don't know if you've seen uh, his, his combo videos on Twitter, but Overshot Nair, that dude is insane. I'll have to check that out. I'm not sure if I have, but uh, also Bab activated. I think that's the tag yeah. uh, was in the uh, Black Empowered Melee Invitational, just doing all the all the ledge cancels like in a row. I yeah, was absolutely. like losing my mind. Yeah. I, I also I have to give a shout out to GP. GP is a he's a Texas player. He's a Texas fox, and that dude is maybe my favorite fox to watch right now. I think he's nasty. 
have to check out GP for Texas. What I know of uh, in terms of players is isn't isn't Albert from Texas plays oh, yeah. in Texas, and then yeah, Magi. Uh, Magi is from Louisiana. Oh, Louisiana. Okay. Yeah, but she she came to she comes to Texas tournaments a lot. I mean, when we have him, we haven't had any, you know, because coronavirus. Right, of yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Albert. Albert's awesome. Love Albert. Love watching Falco. Love Albert's Falco. Albert's insane. Um, SFOP is another Texas player that I love. Uh, Bobby Big Balls, of course. I don't think he lives in Texas anymore. He's, but he was from here. Um, Texas is putting out some really good melee players. My gosh. Yeah, bananas. I mean, I I played ice climbers for a long time. I think they're really fun to play. I never wobbled, so I, I at least have that. But <laughs> <laughs> I also didn't make it very far in bracket because I wouldn't. I refused to wobble. But uh, so I love watching bananas. Bananas is he's stupid good. Yeah, Texas. I love I love the Texas scene. Texas has always had really good players. I mean, even back in the day, we had wobbles and arc and. Seth Lon is from Texas, you know, the famous Roy player. I'm not sure if I've heard uh, Seth Lon's name before, other than maybe I have seen the name, but I don't know if I've watched any like gameplay footage. Seth Lon moved on from Melee into Brawl, and then he was the best Roy in PM for a while until Lunchables took over, which Lunchables is also from Texas. Um, and now I think Seth Lon plays Ultimate. But back in the day, he played Roy... And he, I think he had the best Roy back in the day. He was nasty with Roy. He would upset a lot of people. I love that because low tier yeah. characters, uh, they may not ever really win super big tournaments, but I just love the idea that a high level player comes into a tournament scene that they may not be super familiar with, like it's out of their region. And then they come in, they're like, yeah, I'm expecting to take some names today and just get top eight easy and then they run into a link and they don't know the link matchup or or another similar character link was the bane of my existence back in the day i i was horrible against link i still am pretty bad against link but i would be so nervous to play against either like aklo's link or safe state's link who safe state insists on doing like these bombs slide off di setups and i'm just like blowing my mind with how technical i know it's well the scary thing about playing a link in bracket even nowadays is they're going to it's going to go one of two ways either this person is brand new and they're terrible or they know everything about this game and they're going to style on you like link players there's no in between they either are a new player and they're bad or they're incredible and they know every little nuance of link and how to like exploit it and because their character's equipment, or sorry, uh, toolkit, toolkit, yeah, is a yeah. little bit more limited, the defensive options are limited, they have to know more about the game as a whole and know their matchup specifically. It's almost as if people who play low tiers, the people that are really good at those low tiers, have a really good understanding of the game as well. That seems to be a, a yeah. common theme. I don't know if you've noticed that yourself. Oh, absolutely. I play a lot of Zelda, so... <laughs> I mean, you got I had to I've had to put in more time with Zelda than any other character just to not lose. But then, you know, getting a match with someone on Slippy and force stalking their fox with Zelda is the most satisfying feeling. 
I'm surprised we even get to the point of force stalking because my impression of of oh, Slippy. Oh, don't point and... out. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes, sometimes you get the force stock in. Sometimes you take two stocks and they and they just quit. Just move on. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you don't even get to play. Sometimes they just see a Zelda on the screen and auto quit. <laughs> don't even want to. Uh, well, they assume oh someone's just messing with me, and it's true. Uh, you yeah. are going to mess with them by force stocking them. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Hopefully. Either that or just get absolutely sloshed and get destroyed. And yes, that does happen as well. But I seeing seeing lower tiered characters in bracket on streams is, is fun for me, even if there might be like the sleeping emoticons in chat or emojis in yeah. chat, you get it. Are, are oh, still it's, fun. It's fun I th- for me too. Yeah, I think it sometimes it's hard to watch uh, two, two floaties on the screen where you know that the matches could potentially go to time. But yeah. that that to me that doesn't happen often enough where I feel like that's an actual issue or makes me want to stop watching this watching the stream. I'll just go, well, one of them's going to move on, the other won't, and more likely than not, they'll come across a middleweight or uh, a fast faller next time. So like Right. This exactly. is this there's still things that are happening and this is high level. It's just harder to see that, I guess, from a casual perspective. But I think yeah. I've come to appreciate that a lot more recently, uh, in the uh in the slippy era than I would have a while ago. I think I sort of was a little judgy of the floaty floaty matchups, like if it's not two jigglypuffs, but a jigglypuff and a peach, for example, that sort of oh, thing. Oh yeah. But, it's miserable. <laughs> As someone but, who plays Peach a lot. If I get matched against a Jigglypuff, it's just miserable. But then but, Lod inspires you to keep yeah. carrying on, which is super oh, fun to see people like Lod beating Hungrybox with the with the Peach. Yeah, I know. Lod, Lod's so sick. Armada tricked all of us. <laughs> I love that theory. <laughs> I love that theory that it's, a, it's an impossible matchup. Don't even bother trying when secretly there is a possibility. <laughs> yeah. Armada's just... There was some tweet that he just gaslighted the entire community into thinking it was a losing matchup for a decade. It's like he did. <laughs> I was convinced. I I remember watching. I mean, I watched this Apex 2010. That was when Hungerbox beat Armada with Jigglypuff yeah. versus Peach. I I remember watching them and going, "Oh, that you just do up tilt rest and you're pretty much good to go from there." It's not. Yep. It's a little bit harder to actually make that happen on the screen but that's sort of what it kind of boiled down to from that set yeah. so of course of course it changes because you just come up with ways to get around that situation right so yeah that's the way the meta works you know one character is exploiting something and beating another character so you know you grind out how to beat it and it goes back and forth but look at us talking about the meta changing of course we all course. know it hasn't changed since 2018 <laughs> what are we even saying <laughs> true that's true it hasn't changed the meta's changed so much just in like the last eight months just in like the slippy era alone i think the meta's changed so much the tier list has changed falco is thriving on slippy absolutely and not just because of not being able to react to side b okay to no it's not not just because of that it's been really fun to watch Falco because I, I agree with you. Falco, I think, is my favorite character to watch. I think yeah. that because of how creative Falco can be, I, I don't want to say that the other characters compared to Falco are are like basic or just more mechanical. 
I, I would just say that Falcon and Falco, those two characters seem to embody the the freestyling aspect of Melee the most, most just from my own perspective. Yeah, I agree. I think I, I agree with that 100%, especially in today's meta, because I feel like Fox could be that character also, but all of the Fox top Fox mains are weenies, and they just want to chain grab and and, put, and play optimally instead of swag out. Because it's optimal. Yes, I'm gonna I'm gonna chain grab <laughs> until I back air you off the yep. stage, and then it's Shine City after that. Exactly. Right? It's like Fox could, you could do none if none switched to Fox. He could be doing crazy shit with Fox, but he's a Falcon main, and all the Fox mains are they're they're too concerned about being optimal. They don't want to swag out, which well, is why I like I... watching players like SFOP and uh, like GP that I mentioned, Justice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know those two players from Texas, especially they they swag super hard. And I mean Bobby Big Balls, I love watching Bobby Big Balls. He swags hard with Falco. So does Albert. Texas is a swaggy state. We like to swag out here. Love that. Although yeah. the the what I what I was gonna say in terms of maybe one exception to the rule with Fox. I don't know if Moki would appreciate hearing this, but I feel oh, yeah. like Moki can swag out with Fox super hard. Moki's so sick. Moki is so nasty. But isn't he like semi-retired or whatever? He goes back and forth, right? Yeah, and won a Moki won a, a decently stacked tournament just in the past couple of months, and I can't remember if it was maybe one of the rollback rumble events or if it was something else. It was something that involved other top players or, or high yeah. tier players and won. Either. Was it like I, the was it the like get on my level like online tournament? Maybe I, I can't remember for for sure off the top of my head, but I remember I, I remember Moki tweeting about something to the effect of, "Oh, this isn't really going so well for me today." And Moki ends up winning, and I go, "There we go, there we go." But yeah. mentality is really hard. It seems to be. I, I, I'm not a top yeah, player, absolutely. so I wouldn't know, but it seems yeah. that's that's as hard as anything. Once you get to a certain point where the tech skill is down, the game knowledge is down, you know the matchups for the most part. And then the mental, that's what really separates you from the other people around you. Yeah, absolutely. Because you can you can start to plateau skill wise and if you don't have, you know, a really strong mental fortitude, you might just stay at that skill level forever. And it's not a not a slight thing against Moki or anything. If if no, there not, are other I... things in his life that he feels the need to pay attention to or if their melee's not making him super happy anymore that i'm not gonna be yeah, super absolutely. judgy about it but yeah i i hope that yeah that in between state that seems to be what frustrates me when it comes to a, a a player not being able to decide where what they want out of the game but and you can compare that to other parts of your life right where it's like well, yeah, do i want to continue to do this hobby that may not actually be something that makes me happy anymore it's it's sort of the same thing yeah, you're course. just in the public eye in in the melee sense. Once you get to that certain level, people expect you to perform, and I'm sure that's a really hard mentality for any top melee player to deal with, where people just expect you to play well. Yeah, it's it's the expectation of not only do we expect you to play, but you have to be the best because you're my favorite player. It's this weird kind of parasocial aspect that fans have with melee players that's so kind of bizarre. To me, as someone who's been in the scene so long, because these guys are 
kind of celebrities in this niche small little scene that really isn't so small anymore but because so many of the top players have known each other for so long and they so they they chat so familiar with each other like a lot of these a lot of newer fans you know feel the need to go up and talk to suj calling him johnny they don't they've never met him but they feel like they know him you know what i mean because they're watching his stream it's weird yeah, I, can't the, ima- uh, I can't imagine how that weighs on you as a player just knowing like having that in the back of your mind because it's it's there's no way it's not in the back of all of their heads like there's so many people watching me expecting me to be something so i have to like you know i can see a lot of top players putting pressure on themselves feeling like they have to be a, a certain way to satisfy their audience right and so i wouldn't pretend to understand that inside and out but as someone who I feel like what I try to do is not just to jump on the bandwagon trends of people like and adopt that mob mentality, I guess, where right. something negative happens and then everybody just sort of piles onto it. Yeah. I, I think that maybe that's just sort of the, the lesson that if you're listening to this and you like bandwagoning onto and echo chambering things on, on the internet discourse that are more along the negative sides of things, you're dealing with a real person on the other side and sure they're a top player and they've earned their place in terms of clout and whatnot. And they might have a successful stream or, or whatever else, but still a person at the end of the day. Exactly. That's why, I mean, I don't really get on Twitter much. I check my Twitter like maybe once a week because I like smash Twitter, but man, it can be so echo chambery and toxic and, it the the vibe that I get from it is there's so many times where people will dogpile on you know a specific player for whatever reason, and it's like they don't see them as a person; they see them as an avatar on on their computer screen. So they don't, you know, they don't take into consideration the mental toll that this kind of publicity can have on someone. And I'm like you; I wouldn't even pretend to understand what it's like, but I can empathize. I can imagine it. It's probably not, probably not and, all the time. And it's just more along the lines of understanding. Like, I think once you just say to yourself, I'm talking to another person here, it's not what's actually happening in front of you. You're looking at a screen, but on the other side of that screen is another human being. Right. Right. Exactly. So the last thing that I wanted to ask you about in terms of your time in Melee is about the Smash Code of Conduct panel. Did I get the name of that correct? Yeah, I think right. so. That's, that's always what I called it, the, the right. Code of Conduct panel, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, uh, for those of you who, who don't know, was in existence for a little while, but has since disbanded at the end of last year, which is unfortunate. We can, we can talk about that. But what either inspired you or or who asked you to like how did that come to be for you because you had said to me that that was a commit sorry panel that you were involved with yeah um how that came to be was um i don't remember where she's from but a player her name's alex she her tag was sweet d i think she changed it to ko ko she had passed my name along to dr piggy and dr piggy and i had met at one of the low tier cities i think low tier city six 
we met and um, we did commentary together for singles in the pools. So I had, I had known her, <clears throat> and whenever Sweet D passed my name along to Dr. Piggy, she contacted me and was like, "Hey, you know, someone recommended that recommended you to me to be a part of this panel." And then she, you know, she invited me to be a part of it, and it was. I mean, it was a good experience for me, honestly, just trying to help keep the community a safer place, make it a more inclusive place, have a safe space for people to air their grievances anonymously, that sort of thing. And, you know, if we had to, you know, have a sort of trial to see if we needed to ban a player for specific allegations, uh... A lot of people, you know, the the COC got a lot of criticism on Twitter um, from people that really didn't understand the process. But we had, you know, professionals come on and teach us, you know, communication skills for different aspects of abuse. Uh, we had, you know, a lawyer on retainer for help with any legal questions and any investigations that we did that went into having to ban a player. I mean, they would sometimes take up to you know two months just to do all the investigations and make sure that we had all of the facts correct before we made a final decision but all in all i think it was a really good thing for the community just helping provide a safe space for people to make it more inclusive because i mean if if the smash community can't be a safe place for everyone and be entirely inclusive then what's the point and it's it is a that everyone yeah. loves so everyone should mm -hmm. you know everyone should be allowed to feel safe playing this game and with their with the people that love the game as well i agree with that 100% regardless of what your background is and and who you say you are as long as you're of course like <laughs> the welcoming aspect is is welcoming people who are trying to promote that not necessarily uh, welcoming people who are trying to tear that down or take advantage of situations so we right. we understand that but uh from the, the the generalizing perspective if you're not trying to be someone who is welcoming to newcomers for specific reasons or or trying to be safe regardless of whether or not it's like a like there's minors in the room or there's just different people in the room it produces what happens where there's a situation and then it everybody involved all of a sudden it becomes a negative experience and and right. hopefully the safety is not a, a concerning aspect of that it, it just but it can be that bad yeah it absolutely can Seeing, i mean we found out last summer right yeah that and that's what i was going to more or less just briefly like r rush over not to make it an entire thing but just to say that when a community is as big as the one that the smash community as a whole is with ultimate side and smash 4 melee smash 64 the point being that as a whole someone who really enjoys the franchise wanting to find like-minded people and to either play together, have, have discussions about it to just have a community. That's not something that 
is a maybe it's not readily available at home or maybe it's not readily available at their school as they're as they're maturing or if it's someone that's in their mid 20s or mid 30s just someone who can find a little bit of that happiness that I think that everyone is entitled to in life where there are parts of life that suck but being part of a really cool awesome gaming community oh that sounds great but then yeah there are those who would take advantage of of that situation and turn into something bad having that accountability i think is is really important and that's something that i thought was great that the code of conduct panel was trying to do was to introduce that aspect of saying for those who would be a terrible person in these scenarios and in the context of the community that we have in smash you have to understand that there will be consequences to that. There's something that you shouldn't just do and be able to get away with. Cause that's, that's the worst thing of all. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think um, even with the dissolution of the code of conduct panel, I think just the time that it was active introduced a lot of really good ideology to the community. And I know since then that whole blanket FGC code of conduct has come out. And that's sort of what Melee is, and the Smash community as a whole is prescribing to now, which I think is good that, you know, even if the Smash Code of Conduct had naysayers, there's at least a blanket FGC Code of Conduct now that sort of falls in line with what Dr. Piggy and Robotic Fish and the other people that ran the Code of Conduct panel were trying to do. And me as a panelist was, you know, I when I got asked to be a part of it, that was, you know, my end goal was that as well. You know, I want to be a change for good. And I love hearing that. It's a shame, like you said, that it's that the Smash Code of Comic Panel is no longer in place, but because of what had happened in the past year, especially uh, June and July of last last summer in 2020. Yeah. You you talked about one case taking as long as two months, three months even. Yeah. And then yeah, this, the, 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 it was a floodgate and we're no, not a was. community. We're not a community that has nearly unlimited resources. And of course the biggest one is money. It is so hard to have such an emotional burden as all of the allegations to properly go through, to give the people involved the time that they need to process through all of that and then be brave enough to share their stories, to try to rise above what has happened to them and to make sure that the person who did ill will things, bad things to them is, are no longer welcome in the community. Yeah, absolutely. That is that that's so important. But when there's a limited amount of resources, that's when it becomes really hard to, to manage and deal with as well as the negative you, you alluded to this. It was sort of a negative light of people on the internet, on Twitter saying this isn't actually good for the community. And I just, I couldn't understand that from, from my own perspective. I thought this is, this is our version of trying, right? Like you're almost insinuating that there's not, people are just going to be, pieces of shit and we shouldn't care i think that's a that's a very bad indictment on anyone who would say we shouldn't even bother trying yeah i think that's um such a stupid mindset like it's i think you have to honestly 
like you can have your own opinion and I respect that, but I'm going to think you're a moron for thinking that way because how stupid, how stupid and closed minded to be, to say like, oh, this process for good is actually not good because a player I like got banned, which is usually what would happen. It was either a player I liked got banned, so I don't like this panel because they banned my favorite player for being a piece of shit, or it was people saying, well, there's no point because there's always going to be something bad, so why even try? And I think both of those mindsets are just so toxic and dumb. I think they're stupid. <laughs> like, honestly. And I, what, with what happened over the summer, I think Leffen put it really well that it, it wasn't a bad thing. It wasn't a bad thing that all of this came out in the summer. It was a good thing because it helped us you know, purge the community of toxic people. It helped. It helped everyone in the community be safer by these people coming forward and being brave and telling their story. They they saved everyone else. They saved everyone else's safety by you know shining a light on people who were toxic and bad in our community, and so we got rid of them. I think that's a good thing. And so the hope is that in the future it won't be that sort of happening again or that floodgate sort of feeling again. That right there's an awareness that we have that may not have been in place before people being willing to be accountable, not just to this system of, of well, either a panel or otherwise, but maybe just being willing to be accountable to their friends and people around them, people yeah. in, in a, either in a discord chat, since we're, we're still in pandemic mode or when, when, IRL events happen again if there's something that's happening that's like eh, you you have to be willing to say something to the effect of hey that's not cool that's not welcoming you know cut it out sort of a thing correct if it's an aware awareness should be the 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 big thing since uh, that's probably the easiest way to take a next step forward it's so hard to organize as a community that doesn't have a natural leadership team if you will or a development like the nintendo people obviously nintendo is not really involved with what's happening in the community so yeah. since we don't have that the it's a two-sided coin the the responsibility and the potential is that we can we can control that narrative ourselves it comes down to all of us being willing to say i want to make this place more welcoming and safe Correct. And still have fun and still have a little bit of trash talk. You know, that can still all happen. Right. But don't be that person who's going to take advantage of a situation. Don't even let yourself get into that spot in the first place. It, it just, it, hopefully as time progresses, we'll, as, as these situations rise up, which if we're being honest, probably will, but that yeah. it doesn't happen as often. And that when it does, we all speak as one voice saying, that's not something that we condone. That's not something that we want to see again. That's not something that we, uh, that we take lightly. This is something we take seriously, the safety of all, of everyone who's in this community. Correct. Yeah. And I think you bring up a really good point that, I mean, it, it all starts with awareness really, because if, if the people in the community don't know that they're doing something wrong, they're not going to change. So just the awareness alone is a huge step because it, it will it will give countless people the courage to, you know, speak out if they start seeing something going on, seeing something fishy. I mean, and there's a lot of older players like me that'll say, I, 
some of these these aspects didn't even cross my mind. I mean, I was in like my mid twenties going to kids in high school's houses, like saying hi to their parents because they wanted to play melee. You know, I, I, I never thought that that was weird just because I was playing melee. And when everything came out in the summer, last summer, I, it was, it was even eye opening for me being like, I, it's, it's there needs to be changes. You know, I'm not going to house minors anymore. I used to, you know, I had my own place uh, for a, for a while that was kind of just like, a smash house that I would just let people come over and play. And I was like 24 and there were kids that were like 15 and 16 that would, you know, come over and just play melee. And I never thought that that was weird, but after, you know, everything that's happened then, I, I don't think that that kind of, <clears throat> I think there can be safe environments that you can have things like that. But, you know, I would let those kids crash at my house sometimes. That's, that's not something I'm going to do anymore. I'm not going to let underage kids, you know, crash at my place anymore. Just because I don't even want them to be, you know, I have alcohol in my house. And even if I don't offer it to them, you know, what if I go to bed? They're going to get my whiskey. You know, I don't even want to put myself or them in that situation anymore. So I think the right. awareness, I think the awareness as a whole, I think it helped everyone. I mean, it, it, it helped open my eyes to things. I, I, I wouldn't have ever imagined that that many allegations would have come out. And it was really upsetting for me to see being like, wow, that's awful but you know like i said earlier it overall it was it was a good positive thing to happen in our community to just purge ourselves of of that toxicity and to and to your point raise the awareness of being like how this is this is as it stands now everybody's coming over to play melee or we're all hanging out right now in whatever environment playing melee and that's cool but what's going to happen afterwards or what's happening right now that actually could go sideways and just to be aware and also to go, okay, aside from playing really awesome melee, maybe there needs to be a little bit more of a focus on the, on that safety aspect sort of deal. And to just know that maybe there were things that might've been okay before. Maybe you could say are okay now, as long as X, Y, Z, but maybe you shouldn't even like entertain that because it's sort of, like playing with fire almost or yeah all you need is one bad person mixed in there and that's when it becomes a a problem because there's 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 no there's not as much of an aspect on the safety thing there needs to be a a more awareness for that so yeah i I like what you said about that specifically yeah and i uh i don't know if you saw spinda's video that she put out recently but oh absolutely yeah Mm -hmm. great great video video. yeah great video yeah absolutely Yes, um, it's uh, it's on Spenda's YouTube channel, uh, SP1NDA, and it's called Why Don't More Women Play, or no, Why Aren't There More Women in the Smash Community? I think that's what it's called. So I, I'll, that's what it's called. Yeah. I should try to remember to link that in the description of the podcast so you can watch it. That's something that I, th- yeah, I showed that to my, my, my wife, my lovely wife, Jen. We watched that and we talked about it just to be like, for in the future when I want to go to an in-person event, right? And I think I would love the idea of bringing her along, of bringing our children along, as long as, as this is sort of the thing where people are, are more welcoming and more willing to just practice safer habits. But right. then we go, realistically, is that possible? And it's not really fun to have those conversations, but I think that to have them and to 
increase the awareness uh, that's i don't think that's a bad thing i think that's a good thing for for everybody to try to raise that awareness yeah absolutely i mean none of those conversations are are fun to have but they're necessary absolutely so to, so to wrap up since we've been at this for or over an hour now oh wanna, well, yeah we have <laughs> yeah don't want to take up don't want to take up too much of your time I, I really appreciate uh where we've been going with all these conversations but to to sort of to to end it or to wrap up uh, one of the questions that I had asked you, so this is going to go back into the editing world for a little, little bit to mm-hmm. to wrap up. How how do you think in your own mind that you watch a video and you can quickly tell whether or not it is poorly edited or or if it's edited well? Is there like a trick that you just either looking for visually or with sound or however where you're just sort of because you're looking at it through the perspective of an editor since you've done it so much, right? You, you can't really help right. it, I guess. How, how, what, are you, what are you looking or listening for? So, I mean, great audio, and, uh, great audio quality is vastly more important than video, in my opinion. But what the difference, I think the biggest difference between a good editing job and a bad editing job is pacing. I think everything with editing comes down to pacing whether it's something you're writing or if it's a video. Um, and I think if your pacing is really well done, it doesn't matter how fancy your transitions are or anything like that in the video aspect. I think a really good YouTube channel for Melee content that, in my opinion, has just perfect pacing in their editing but is the editing is very simple would be Alston Melee. I think Alston Melee's videos are excellent, but they're not from the editing standpoint, they're not complex at all. And I think that it benefits their content because it Patty paces his videos really, really well in the top tens. And I think part of it is, you know, the top ten, just that format is built to built for anticipation because you want to know what number one is. But if you can't pace your content well enough to keep people interested in the first nine, then you're you're gonna lose. You're not doing your good job. And I think Alston Melee for Melee content is perfect. Like as an example of how to pace or pace good editorial content. I think Papa Paint. Just to shout out Last Doc Legends. I didn't do any editing for Last Doc Legends on our video side. That was mostly Papa Paint and gangly and they did really good jobs with pacing those documentary episodes and really kind of building the hype anticipation so pacing isn't something that you really can notice you know really quickly until you've gotten a really good handle on every other aspect of editing but in my opinion that's the most important so if if your pacing isn't there then the whole piece falls apart and, and pacing, it's just really done in the editorial process because you can write something, and especially with videoing, you know, editing is almost like writing a whole other draft, basically. And it can drag or it can be too fast, and that's probably the most obvious thing if you're watching a video you haven't seen before. Yep. Did we spend too much time on this thought or idea or, or scene? 
okay, we're, we're dragging or, we're, or yeah. we didn't get enough or we're going too fast. Yeah, absolutely. Those are the two most obvious for sure. And I think, you know, I shout out Austin Melee because I think in their top 10 videos, I think he puts or they put, you know, really perfect time on each one of their little segments in their top 10s. I think each each segment of the top 10 is like the perfect length. And that's awesome. I, mean, I do love Austin Melee's top yeah. 10s. Oh, Austin Melee rules. That That's my favorite current like Melee content on YouTube right now is Austin Melee. That they, I got subscribed and notifications. Every new video, I'm there. Ding, ding. Oh, you yeah. love to hear that. Oh, I love Austin Melee. Let's go. And you, to your point, yes, exactly. Uh, it's not just the Captain Falcon sounds every time Patty's saying fuck. It's also... <laughs> right. It's also... The, the way that the video paces paces very well. You don't spend too long or, or, or not enough time on a, a specific number countdown in the top 10. Correct. Yeah, and I think he's really like mastered how long each one should, should be. So yes, if you're uh, newer to Melee content yourself, or if you've watched a lot, something that I think anybody listening or anyone in general checking out an Austin Melee top 10 video, you're going to get a great piece of Melee history. You're going to get an opinion that makes you want to talk about it with somebody because of what, what the ranking was for the specific video that you watch. And then right. you're going to feel like you want to play, live, eat, breathe, sleep Melee afterwards. That's what I think yeah. somehow they're able to do every time where they make me want to go, okay, well, freaking do another podcast then, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and I love their stuff so welcoming. He's he's very. Um, that too. Yeah. Patty's, Patty's scripts seem to be very focused. He's always got like a little section about, you know, how everyone is welcome in the Melee scene. I love that. Absolutely. I agree. Me too. So enough, uh, enough of that. The last question that I, that I have um, is related to where you think Melee goes from here, either in 2021 or, or beyond as well. Where do you think of or what is your opinion on what Melee does going from here? Or Melee goes from here. I think... Um... You know, shout outs to Fizzy for creating Slippy because he saved Melee from the coronavirus single handedly. And I think a lot of just the distant future or not so distant future is going to be relying on Slippy um, until we get out of this pandemic and life goes back to normal. After that, I mean, I don't see Melee slowing down personally. It's just continued to snowball and avalanche and grow throughout the years <clears throat> but at the end of the day you know the specter looming large over our shoulders is nintendo so with, i think melee will thrive more when irl tournaments come back and people can play in person because nintendo seems to leave us alone when we do that but you know i mean they could theoretically they could just shut slippy down so hopefully that doesn't happen. But I think that, you know, just the presence of Nintendo and the C&D against Big House, you know, that was a pretty big bummer to see. And it was nice that they, you know, left 
Ludwig's uh, LACS alone. That was an awesome tournament. And I think they left it alone because of the charity aspect. So, I mean, it would be great to see more Melee majors involved in charity, you know, giving a percentage of the pot to charity or doing donation drives the way LACS did. Um, Because I think that it would simultaneously kind of keep Nintendo off our backs while also really, you know, giving incentive for people to, you know, put their money towards a good cause. And Smash World Tour is awesome. I'm stoked on that. But I don't... I mean, I, I guess the whole, you know, they're choosing the players. I, you know, I guess that's the best loophole they found to get through doing that without Nintendo, you know, really getting involved. But I, I kind of hate that because, I mean, upsets are so prevalent in Melee and people get so good so fast nowadays that, you know, I didn't expect Albert to beat Hungry Bucks at the last low tier city. On you know no one did. That's why it was you can't even really watch that match because it was on a it wasn't on stream. It was on a setup on the side of the venue. You know Magi beat Mango. No one thought Magi was going to beat Mango. So I think choosing. I get why they're doing it, but I don't agree with it personally because I think it really takes a lot of the heart out of melee. Because I mean there's there's so many upsets in melee, especially nowadays. People are so good. People that have been playing for a while but haven't had the chance to play against good competition yet. That was something that LSD had uh, spoken to me about where they were really good in their specific state, South Carolina, but being limited in terms of traveling, but then slippy, right? And then all of a sudden, all these upsets starts happening. Who's this LSD person? Mars is so good. Who's Bones? Like, who's this guy? Who's... You know, the, yeah, there's there's been so many, like, you know, I put Aklo on the map. I, you know, Aklo is known for his Link. That's what I knew him for. And then his Fox came out. Filthy. Filthy Fox. So nasty. You know, LSD. I had never even heard of LSD until Slippy Arrow. And then I was like, damn, this kid's Marth is sick. Let's get schmoovin'. He's, he's nasty. And, you know, and then it's given, like, tournament grinders such amazing practice. You know, you see Bobby Big Balls and Ginger. They, they're basically entering a tournament a day. And I love that Ginger got sponsored recently. So shout outs to Ginger for like all that hard work paying off with now and like an organization behind him to continue to ascend. Uh, oh, for sure. I just get Ginger's giddy sick. about the possibility. Oh yeah. Ginger's so sick about the possibilities of the smash world tour. We're like, is Ginger going to go top three at the world finals? Like, is that what's going to happen? Cause Ginger has been putting in so much work. And it would be so cool yeah. to see that pay off somehow. But anyway, <laughs> he could see, and that's why that's why like I kind of don't like the handpick stuff because, you know, out of like what is it, sixteen spots? Is that right? Uh, I think um, I think it's yeah, sixteen. Uh, it's sort of without looking at it recently, it's a little complicated. But the TLDR version is is that they have eight different regions that they're going to pick sixteen players for but only a certain amount of players from each region, and it's different per region. So Oceana's right. not going to have eight different players in the world final bracket, but North right. America has, like, East Coast, West Coast, eight, pl- eight players each. Yeah. And then, yeah, so, like, so it, does ultimately, it does ultimately boil down to 32 players from the 116 chosen players 
16 per each region, I believe, yeah. that ultimately get to play in the world finals. But yeah, a lot of, a lot of questions unanswered on that front, in my own opinion. I, I'm not overly fond of the idea of going for in-person events so soon where we all were kind of thinking, you know what, let's just be conservative about it in terms of 2021. There's a possibility that we can do in-person events towards the end of the year, but maybe not, and we don't know. And kind of starting out with that idea of, we're going to do it, we're going to run it. I mean, some people get really excited and they're like, oh, that's cool, that's awesome. I have something to play for now, or I I have a, a better reason to watch these events that are happening right now because I know it builds up to that. So I, I recognize that, but also like I keep coming back to the safety, that that is so, yeah, so important. I, I don't want that something that is lost in all of this. No, I agree. I mean, we all want in-person tournaments back. Everyone does, but don't rush it. You know, I, I think that announcing that was very premature. Um, I just, I don't, I don't think that announcing an in-person tournament was the best idea to do at the beginning of 2021, especially how this year has been going so far. Hopefully it can happen, but who knows? I, would, I wouldn't announce it before it was safe, so I'm not sure exactly how I feel about that announcement either. But, you know, circling back to like, you know, yeah, Ginger could be top three, but I feel like there's 30 players from each region that could have been one of the 16 chosen. So I, I just, I don't agree with, you know, I, I know that they didn't really have any other options, or I'm assuming that's why they're doing it that way, but I just don't think choosing players in, a, in for melee just because of how many upsets happen was... I don't I don't like it, but, you know, it's, it's not my call. I'm just a spectator now. And of all the people that they have for choosing these players, people like Tafo and Edwin Budding are going to be far more qualified than just the regular Joe Schmoes or even even decision makers within VGBC like I for sure they probably pick the best people alive even if we're not going to all agree with those decisions are still probably at the very least best qualified to make those decisions so that's something they they are but I mean at the same time this I don't mean this as a slight against Tafo but I, I do remember him losing a set to the best Donkey Kong player in Texas. So, you know, Ooh. you can't always you can't always just choose based on stats. Ooh. <laughs> just just some, just some friendly <laughs> advice. Not just always some, based on stats. Can't always, <laughs> I mean, I get I get what they're doing, and they, you're right. They are the most qualified, but you know, that's just one example of hey, upsets happen. I don't think Tafo thought he was going to lose to a Donkey Kong, but he did. The Donkey Kong legend continues on. Is that is that immortalized somewhere, or was that just on a CRT? Oh man, I I'll try to find it. the The player, his tag is Chandy, C H A N D Y. Let's go, Chandy. Let's go, Chandy. Yeah, he was also a um, best DK in Texas for a while. Hit between him and Bunk, formerly known as Mouth, who is the best Peach in Texas. Chandy was a big TO, also good dude. But yeah, if you can find that match, I don't know if it was recorded or not. I don't remember, but I'll definitely send it to you if you can find it. Tafo versus Chandy. I think it was at uh, DreamHack Austin. 
I'd be so, I mean, Tafa's not like the best example of a player of going, oh, by the way, like, it would be probably more funny if it were somebody like Mango or Zane being like, oh, by the way, they lost to this random person in a Texas tournament, and we all be like, oh, what? And yeah. <laughs> I mean that happened when like when Albert beat Hungrybox. Exactly, kind of, exactly. Or whenever Magi. I mean Magi is from Louisiana, but she beat Mango in Texas, and that was. I mean, I was. That was like what Magi beat Mango. Let's go Magi. Let's go Magi. <laughs> She's sick. I love, I love the. I, I just I love. Don't know, I don't want to put you on the spot, but there was a. There was for the Smash Summit 10, the most recent Smash Summit was the one with like the Pokemon cards themed Smash Summit where Magi (laughs) did this forward air on Yoshi's Island that got her down towards the bottom of the level, but then did a wall jump against Sesvat while he was that was (laughs) that was so sick. I loved. I think it was Lovage on the commentary afterwards. Was like that was shit. Was so custom. Let's go, Lovage. Lovage is uh, here. I I posted that video to you. Uh, Lovage. Awesome. I, I love Lovage's uh, commentary. One of the best. And I love that in the Slippy era, Lovage has sort of come back into the scene a little bit for commentary or otherwise. That's really cool because I I I think that I'd watched Lovage play some sets on youtube not live or anything i just mean who's this lovage person and going like oh wow the fox is so good and then i maybe like on a smash summit at some point long ago being like oh that's lovage okay cool but then seeing at the most recent one i mean squid as well great commentary absolutely that commentary uh that tournament with the commentators was super fun too oh the uh the commentator the commentator uh yeah <laughs> yeah, Lovage. Uh, Lovage kind of pooped on everyone. I think that was to be expected. Vish did great though. Let's got the come up of Vish is one of my favorite Slippy stories. Top player Vish. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Top I love eight it. Vish. I love that. <laughs> I love it too. Uh, the last time I saw Vish, we had a real fun night at a karaoke bar. So I like seeing him do well now. He's a good dude. Shout outs to Vish. Uh, what's, to your, Vish. what's your what's your what's your go to song? On karaoke? Mm-hmm. Um I like to do Rocket Man. I think Rocket Man's my go to. And my other go to is uh You Were Meant for Me by Jewel, which a lot of people that catches them off guard, but hey. I, I don't even know if I know <laughs> that song. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but you can knock it out of the park, and everybody's yeah. going, "Oh, oh, wow! Oh, this is hype!" Yeah, yeah, that's 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 what I like to go to the Jewel song. That gets you. That gets you a free drink, probably. Generally, most days, yeah, that gets me a free drink. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's all I got. Thank you so much, Brent, for being on. Did you want to uh, shout out any uh, anyone else? Uh, or your own stuff, that sort of thing to, to kind of finish up here where people can find you. Uh, I mean, you can follow me on Twitter at Brentos underscore fresh. Uh, other than that, I mean, just go watch old Last Doc Legends videos. That was an awesome thing to be a part of. Go watch Spinda's videos. Go watch Austin Melee's videos. Just go, just go watch more Melee content. Get as much Melee content in as you can. And, oh, yeah. uh, and uh, also a big thank you to you 
and all the people, and especially Dr. Piggy for the Smash oh, yeah. Code of Conduct panel. Thank you so much to all of you who were able to run that for as long as you could, and sad to see it go. But like you said, Fighting Game Community Code of Conduct panel, that is a thing. And as a whole, we are more aware than we were this time last year of how we can be more welcoming and safe. So absolutely, onward and upwards, looking forward to seeing how we can continue to grow. For sure. And yeah, absolute shout outs to Dr. Piggy. She's one of the best people I've met in my entire time in the scene. She's awesome. And that's all I got. So thank you so much for being on. Yeah, man. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Super fun. Nice conversation. Why is it so quiet? Oh, right. Transition. Before we get you going here, I know that you have been around for a little while, so thank you so much for sticking with me. But I did want to let you know that I slightly misquoted Lovage. If you go back to the Smash Summit set between Magi and Sfat, the quote is a little bit different, and now you know. All right, well, that's pretty much all I have. It was a great conversation to have with Brent, so Brent, thank you so much for coming on. And to you, all the listeners, thank you so much for listening. We got some exciting stuff coming down the pipeline. Don't want to tease too much, but stick around. We got exciting stuff coming your way. One more time, thank you so much for being with me. Have a great day. What does the cow say? Moo. Moo. Good job. What does the kitty cat say? Ow. Good job. What does the doggy say? Woof. Woof, woof. Good job. Can you say linguistic specialist? Say. Good job. That was a good try. Can you say outside? Do you want to go outside? Okay. Okay. Can you say bye-bye? Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.